Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I can do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. Hello and welcome to a new episode of I Can Do. I am your host, Benjamin Lee. I am so happy to share with you another encouraging, inspiring conversation with Janine Grayson. Janine is a mindset and confidence coach. As a certified life coach and NASM behavior change specialist, Janine helps individuals shed their self-doubt, identify limiting beliefs, reframe new thoughts, and take empowered action in their lives. I had a great time talking to Janine, learning from her, and we talk about a variety of topics that will certainly benefit you, things that you can do immediately to implement and to improve your life, whether it's with fitness, whether it's with nutrition, and even just with your thinking. We talk about the importance of the journey and not just the destination. We talk about how fitness can be used as a tool to help manage stress and anxiety and how it helped Janine as she battled cancer. We talk about how suffering can be like a secret gift, depending on how we view it. We talk about the importance of sustainability. This is something that Janine is going to talk a great deal about, really resonated with me as well. We also, did talk, we also talk about the importance of our thoughts. That is so critical when it comes to overcoming limiting beliefs. Uh, in, the, in the conversation, I actually share one of my limiting beliefs. So this was really beneficial to me as well. I know that it will be beneficial to you. Thank you so much for listening. Here we go. Janine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here and excited to talk. Yes, I'm excited to talk to you as well and um, really um, encouraged with, um, with your passion for fitness and life coaching. You know, right before we hit the record button, we were just kind of talking a little bit about exercise and uh, what you did today for your exercise and what I did. Can you tell the audience, where did this passion of fitness and exercise when did it begin? Uh, did it was it from someone else? Was it uh, from childhood? Talk us about that journey there with your exercise and fitness passion. That's a great question. Um, yes, I have a very specific moment in my life. I think when um, it became of interest to me. So I was always an active kid, and mm -hmm. uh, in high school, I was in track and field and cheerleading. And I had a moment uh, right after finishing high school, preparing for college. And I said to myself, gosh, I, maybe I should join a gym, uh, mm -hmm. because I was aware of the, the freshman 15, if you will. <laughs> so uh, I'll be honest, like that was kind of the, um, intriguing motivated factor to join my first gym. I had no idea how much I would love it. Mm -hmm. And I quickly, just really became fascinated with feeling like I was 
getting stronger and lifting weights and doing machines. And um, my workout time at the gym quickly became just a real uh, quality time with myself. Uh, loved my personal workouts, listened to my music and doing my own thing. So yeah, it really, really started probably when I was about 18. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard about the freshman 15. I went to the uh, University of Illinois. I heard about it, but I still gained the freshman 15. So sure. sure. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. So uh, that took a little while. So how have you been able to maintain um, this, uh, this level when it comes to fitness? Have you had moments where, um, you know, you've kind of dropped off? Um, walk us through, because that's one of the biggest challenges that a lot of people have, um, whether it's with perfectionism, and I definitely want to talk more about that. Um, how are you able to maintain your, your fitness level and those commitments? Such a good question. And that aspect of sustainable fitness is incredibly important to me. And so the simple answer would be, I'm very committed to the journey versus a destination, um, and so when we're committed to the journey, we are more flexible in our methods. We are more open-minded in integrating different kinds of modalities. Um, for me, as I mentioned, you know, I, I think the fitness piece sort of started as, um, you know, a, a, a concern for maybe more physique goals. And uh, fitness has been a wonderful, wonderful tool in my life, uh, I am a cancer survivor. And when I was going through my cancer journey, uh, fitness was a wonderful tool to help me manage the stress and anxiety associated with uh, not knowing what each subsequental, subsequential doctor's appointment was going to reveal and kind of what this journey was going to look like. And so um, at times in my life when I have dealt with obstacles, fitness has been a wonderful companion and a wonderful tool um, and a reminder that I'm stronger than I feel at times. So that's kind of the lens that I see fitness. I am totally convinced that forever, as long as I am on this earth, I will be exercising um, because <laughs> yeah. I just love it. I love it and I believe in it. Yeah. yeah. There's so many great things you just said that I love and uh, really want to dive into. I really, I appreciate what you said too. And I talked about the freshman 15, you said that's okay. Because for a lot of people, it can be like this all or nothing mentality or man, I gained 15 pounds. Well, just kind of throw in the towel, right? Just kind of forget right. it. I right. love that response. And I think that's something so important for all of us of, okay, well, you know, maybe I did gain 15 pounds, but mm -hmm. I can make some changes to that. And that's, that. I think that just speaks volumes with the mindset that you have. And I'm sure you're instilling in your clients with mm -hmm. that respect to how they view themselves. And also, Absolutely. you know, the idea of being committed to the journey and not the destination. Um, right. That I think is how we can overcome a lot of the different um, obstacles or those valleys, you know, where we're gaining 15 pounds. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how would you help someone? You're in the coaching. I want to talk a little bit more about um, you overcoming cancer. 
How would you help someone, though, with trying to navigate the journey, trying to see or focus more on the journey than just the destination? Because you have, you know, 90-day programs to get in the best shape of your life, 30-day programs, do this for two weeks, right? And those mm-hmm. can ser- mm-hmm. serve a purpose and a role. They work. Sure. But but then it's kind of like, okay, I hit this mark. Now what? So if there's someone listening today and they're thinking, yeah, that's exactly me, I'm always only focused on the destination. So I'm missing out on this journey. What kind of wisdom or advice might you want to um, share with them? Oh, absolutely. Uh, How should I respond first? There's so much to say. You know, I believe that it's important to, for example, set goals, have an idea as to the destination that we wish to go. Uh, just like we get in our car and we input an address in the navigation system, it's important to know where we want to drive to. Um, in order to get to a destination, we need to make a series of choices repeatedly to get where we want to go. And I think the reason why focusing on the journey is so important is because we learn so much about ourselves in the journey. I often say, you know, I've worked with so many individuals who have a goal of weight loss. And I often say, in our pursuit to lose weight, we learn things like uh, strength and consistency and resilience and hard work. Um, There's so many life lessons to be learned when pursuing a fitness journey. And if we're so hyper-focused on a particular end result, we're missing a lot of the magic that is happening along the way. Um, And I think it's also really important to recognize that when we have an end goal in mind, um, we often potentially change our mind or get clarity on something. And we do that by being present and really kind of spending time to think about what it is that we're facing that day, what kind of obstacles and how we're feeling and getting in touch with our emotions. And so, you know, my main answer would be that the more focused we are on the journey, the more that we're really learning about ourselves and becoming uh, the best version of ourselves, uh, whether there's a set number on the scale or not, um, the journey is essential. And I think also when we focus on the journey, we are much more likely to have a good, sustainable, healthy relationship with health and fitness, as opposed to hitting a goal and then it's like, now what? Um, so really keeping that open mind for the journey and all the many things that we learn and all the ways that we grow in pursuit of something that we want. I, I think that's the key. Yeah, no, that's that's a great answer. And the, I'm just thinking about a lot too. I was listening to a another um, video earlier today and somebody was just talking about so many people want want to be happy and certainly you know obviously we all want to be happy in some shape or form and things like that 
but a lot of people don't necessarily want to go through a struggle. But right. if you think about life, there's there there will be struggle. And that kind of just okay. made me think about what you're talking about with this idea of the journey. Okay, okay let me just hurry up and get to this destination. Mm-hmm. But to get there, you know, there there are going to be these highs and lows and things are going to go really, really well. But then you are going to have potentially some setbacks, but feeling comfortable enough to say, okay, I know that's going to happen or I'm going to expect the unexpected, but I'm still going to just keep making progress. As you said, just little by little and taking these steps becomes so important for sustainability. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things too. Like it's not that people can't accomplish fitness goals or whatever else they're trying to go after. Is it actually sustainable? So there's like this instant, you know, gratification. I want to get there, hurry up. How fast can we get there? But the sustainability, um, being being kind to yourself, like what the, what you said, you know, all right, you gained fifteen pounds, that's okay. Uh, right. Those next steps um, uh, are really important. Uh, so true, and you know, you're describing really, I think, resilience too, uh, because life doesn't life doesn't happen exactly the way that we would like it to, or we expect it to, life is full of all kinds of twists and turns. And so the more flexible we are and the the ability that we have to adapt to the current situation just means we're that much stronger. And, you know, my favorite people on the planet are the ones that have endured big struggles, big struggles. And I think, and why is that? I think it's because those individuals have perspective and they tend to have an immense sense of gratitude because they have gone through the tough chapters and they've come out the other end. And um, so, yeah, uh, all of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned cancer. Uh, Yes. I'm so thankful that um, you were able able to overcome that. What a blessing that is. Absolutely. Can you share with us that journey for you? And we know that fitness was a big part of that. Sure. How you were able to process that, uh, what you're able to use from your journey to help your clients uh, and to help the audience as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm grateful as well. And um, so I I received a, a cancer diagnosis at a time in my life when I was um, I was living in a toxic relationship and I, um, was also very much a perfectionist and didn't exercise a lot of healthy boundaries. Um, I was a people pleaser and I was always so concerned about what everyone else was thinking. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I got into fitness specifically, you know, at age 18 and have continued ever since. And so, a cancer diagnosis was surprising to me because I guess I thought since I was always fit, um, that this just wouldn't happen to me. So when I did get that diagnosis, I remember the first words out of my mouth, which really spoke volumes as to the perfectionistic uh, place that I lived. But what I said was, what did I do to deserve this? Um, you know, insinuating that it was my fault that I was in this situation. And, um, I quickly learned to ironically really focus on what mattered most in life and to live each day with gratitude, you know, as a chronic planner 
and list maker. I learned to be more patient with myself and deal with my cancer journey one day at a time. Um, you know, I, I also learned things like, um, adaptability. I remember when I went through, um, my radiation treatment and I couldn't have physical contact with anyone, uh, for a week. And so my mind, instead of going to the place of, gosh, I can't exercise, I can't do what I want to do. I adapted and I chose to go for walks, uh, get some fresh air, get, get some vitamin D through the sun and just, uh, keep my spirits up that way. So, Fitness was a wonderful companion to me at a really difficult time. And um, very much as we were previously speaking about life struggles, I firmly believe that in life we are given gifts, if you will, that certainly don't appear to be gifts at the time. They can be scary. They can be overwhelming. Certainly any kind of health diagnosis can very much be that way. Um, but it's the lessons that we learn and the strength that we derive from going through that. Um, if I'm being honest with myself, I wouldn't change it. I have no doubt I'm a stronger person now, yeah. uh, than I was before that. And, um, my cancer journey helps support you know, the start of a personal transformation I made in my life. And so I have a lot of gratitude for yeah. that, for sure. So um, I think in relation to working with clients, I learned some very good lessons and I'm able to communicate that with clients in the sense of, you know, having patience for oneself and self-love and self-care. That's really the foundation that we need to set anytime we are setting our sights on any kind of self-improvement to really, really recognize that we love ourselves and, and to be patient with ourselves first. So I definitely integrate uh, those lessons. And then also very much the focus on the journey and what are we doing on the daily, you know, are our daily habits in alignment with what we say we want? Um, and if not, why is that? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, a lot of those lessons I personally went through. And I think it makes me just even more compassionate and working with individuals. And, and it was really, um, I think my cancer battle was my catalyst for becoming an entrepreneur and wanting to help people um, live the healthiest, happiest life that they could. So it was largely, largely impactful and I am grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I heard a quote. I can't remember where, maybe I read it somewhere and I've shared it on different podcasts, but you, you're making me think about it again. Suffering doesn't make us unique. How we respond to it is what will make us unique. So and, true. You know, that that's this, idea that I can do mindset, right? Of, all right, you know, we're in a difficult situation, you know, but that's, sounds like that's what you were doing, right? How do we look for, how do, how do, how were you able to look for, okay, the positives, okay, or here's what I can do. 
And I can mm-hmm. definitely relate to that, not with having cancer. I can't relate to that or radiation, but trying to find, all right, there's still something I can still do. You know, it's it's not completely over or there's still hope. There's still things that we can do to, you know, take those next steps. I was talking to my wife, Nikki, yesterday from the time that we're recording today, and um, she uh, goes to this uh, camp every year to to volunteer. And there was someone there, I think it was maybe a family member of of one of the girls there, but they were talking about how someone was taking radiation treatment. So that resonated with me as well, because um, there's like, I guess there's a protocol. I didn't know this, right? When you have radiation, you have to be, you can't be around people. And she was like, it was like 10 days. And you said seven days. And I had no idea that that was the case. I had no idea. Can I ask how, how, like how long were you taking the radiation treatments? Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, so I did um, radiated iodine, which was actually a pill that I took from a nuclear medicine doctor. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, they they undo this capsule that looks like a space capsule and they pull out this pill with tongs and they say, don't touch this, but here, here's some water, swallow this. Wow. So the idea is that you go on a... Uh, you know, a specific diet prior to doing this and um, that you kind of starve the remaining microscopic cancer cells that are left in your body. And so this radiated iodine that goes through your entire system blasts and kills any of those remaining uh, microscopic cells. So yes, um, I, I had to stay away from people, including my dog's uh, and I'm such an animal lover. I mean, you, you yeah. can't have any physical contact uh, for a week. And they used to have people in the hospital and just, you know, spend your time there. But they realized if, you know, if we give specific protocol that individuals can kind of recover at home. Um, and so that was the hardest thing, you know, not being able yeah. to give hugs to people or, you know, pet my dogs, or you really have to kind of just sort of isolate yourself. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was interesting. Yeah, I can only imagine though. That's, um, uh, that's an amazing journey. And there's certainly a lot of great lessons to learn from that. Did you have to change up, I'm curious, um, diet or throughout the years? I know you're uh, obviously into fitness quite a bit. How did that impact like your eating style? It greatly impacted my eating style. I think before my cancer diagnosis, I was certainly obviously a gym goer and very consistent, but I think the pieces of my life that were not as healthy were my diet. Uh, I just lacked um, information as, as to what maybe um, the best foods and balanced foods. And, you know, when we're younger, uh, we tend to spend maybe less focused or time on that. And so, um, I would say probably chronic stress, which caused a, an imbalance in my hormones and potentially not eating as healthy as I could. So I became very motivated to really self-educate. And then later on, um, took many instruction classes and courses and certifications in nutrition uh, to really, really just better advocate 
for my health and wellness. I wanted to know what could I be doing better and um, what were the missing nutrition components in my diet and what were the foods that I probably needed to stay away from being a cancer survivor, you know, like inflammatory foods and such. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my diet's changed a ton Mm -hmm. since then. Um, I'm love, love whole foods and I eat very, very, very little processed food. Uh, I try and stay away from dairy and gluten. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, if I'm going to categorize it, maybe largely, gravitate towards like a Mediterranean diet, you know, lots of veggies and fruits and Mm -hmm. poultry and fish and nuts and seeds. Um, (laughs) so yeah. And I think nutrition is such a huge contributor to our energy and our mood and how well we sleep and all of that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No. And I know it gets so, it gets a little silly after a while. It gets so controversial about, you know, how do you eat and stuff like sure. that. And there's just so many different things out there. Totally. Uh, but it is interesting to to really kind of fine tune. I took a um, a blood test. I'm working with a nutritionist. And so uh, we've kind of gotten curious. And that's something for people to do as well, right? Seeing, okay, I wonder, you know, I know like uh, there's books out there for your blood type, eating according mm-hmm. to your blood type. So I'm kind of experimenting with that. But I know for me, extremes typically don't work. And I don't know if that would fall like into the perfectionism category or bucket, but um, just something balanced. Like last year I tried, I went vegan for about uh, about 130 to 150 days, which I was really proud of. Uh, But that went back to like this sustainability. uh, Yes. I wasn't. I think I've learned, I know I've learned some things since then but uh, mine right now is just more of a, a balanced kind of, of eating. But um, what are your thoughts with, when people come to you and they ask you about eating and diets and all of that, um, all of those kinds of questions? How do you how do you lead them and um, what type of wisdom do you share? Yeah, um, so I definitely don't uh, push my personal, you know, how I personally eat on clients, where I typically start is information gathering. And I think many individuals experience um, results or symptoms of food imbalance. uh, And it's through uh, tools like food logging that we generally get to the bottom of kind of maybe where are the red flags? You know what I'm saying? Uh, what are we eating and how are we feeling and what are our goals and what are our needs? And so, um, my approach is, is very, um, underwhelming in the sense that I think between fitness and nutrition, nutrition changes are much more difficult for people than adding in an extra workout or a longer workout it's so uh, much more challenging for people to change what they eat because people like what they like. Mm-hmm. And studies show that largely people's diets are very, very similar to how they were raised and, and their, their meals and their, their eating habits. And so it's hard to change. So uh, we generally look at the goals of the client and then I operate from a place of educating clients and 
offering solutions, you know, healthy swaps. Um, maybe instead of this, you could consider that. Um, and as far as food in general, I think, I think there's three main components that, that really matter most. Um, what we're eating. Uh, are we eating a piece of fish? Or are we eating a piece of chocolate cake? Uh, so what, what are we actually eating? <laughs> um, how much, you know, uh, serving size caloric intake in relation to our, our physical activity. And the third is when we are eating and what that does for our body, because our body needs something different in the earlier part of the day than it does when we're preparing to go to sleep at night. And are we fueling our body accordingly? So, um, so what I try and do is, is really just, uh, I, I very much customize my approach depending on the individual that I'm working with. And, um, I don't have a specific diet that I implement, but rather I educate about inflammatory foods and balanced eating and how food can be medicine and, um, how we can fuel our body to get the most out of our body and our energy. And that's really my approach. I really pride myself on educating my clients because I want my clients to feel like they can go out to dinner or go on vacation or travel and make healthy choices when they're living their life and not be super, uh, stressed about, oh my gosh, I have no idea what is a good or healthy balanced choice. So that's really the lens that I operate from is, is sustainability. Yeah. And, um, and as a whole, if, if, if there's one thing that I do across the board that is probably, uh, true with almost all of my clients is I, I, I really recommend limiting processed food because the fact of the matter is, is that most of the time when we're eating processed food, we don't necessarily know what we're eating. Yeah. Um, there's those a lot chips, of things on nutrition chips, labels. Yeah. Yeah. So all those things, fast food, um, you, you, all those things that fall into that category. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, preservatives and yeah. extra things added for salt for shelf life that may or may not impact our health. Um, and so that's kind of an unknown. And so I, you know, always encourage real food. Yeah. So you mentioned what we eat, mm -hmm. how much we eat and mm -hmm. then when we eat. Yes. And all of those become really important I think this is a great segue into limiting beliefs because you also mentioned people have a hard time overcoming some of those things that were instilled in them as a kid. So for me, Sunday afternoon after worship services, it almost at times felt like Thanksgiving. Yes. <laughs> we had so much food, but you know, we talk as a family, we laugh, we take a nap and watch football. Talk to us about this idea of limiting beliefs, how to overcome uh, limiting beliefs, or even how to identify what they may be. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is a really important part of how I work with my coaching clients, my my mindset coaching clients, because I um, and that that realization 
of how important limiting beliefs are, how they affect us. That really was born uh, from working with my clients in the fitness industry. I recognized very early on that individuals would largely limit things like effort and perseverance and success. They would largely limit themselves by continuing to buy in to false thoughts or beliefs about themselves. And so kind of, kind of the mentality where you give up before you try that kind of a mentality. So limiting beliefs can be untrue thoughts about ourselves that we can uh, essentially um, develop as a child um, or throughout our life, perhaps in uh, relationships that maybe aren't the healthiest relationship. Um, and limiting beliefs are basically just thoughts that are repeated, that take root in our mind and can be very controlling of our actions and our path forward. And when I actually start working with a coaching client, identifying limiting beliefs is one of the very first steps that, that we make, uh, because we need to understand how we're self-sabotaging our, our efforts or our goals. And we generally start that by talking about how we feel about ourselves. What aspects of our lives are we happy and content with and, and what aspects are we not? And where you find a pain point in someone's life and you dig a little deeper, it usually reveals some level of limiting belief. So let me just give you a concrete example because I think examples are important and they make it more relatable for people. So one of my limiting beliefs as a perfectionist, go figure, um, being totally sarcastic, is, <laughs> is I had this belief, and it's just crazy to even repeat it because I really did believe this, that whenever I tried something new, uh, whether it be a sport or an activity, um, if I didn't do amazing the first time I tried something, I probably wasn't going to be any good at it. So you can imagine the yeah. amount of things that I tried once and then never followed up and persevered yeah. because I sort of convinced myself, well, maybe I just won't be any good at it because I didn't ace it after the first try. Yeah. So, you know, that largely held me back from oh, yeah. moving outside of my comfort zone yeah. and Try new things. And so, so what was uh, under that? If I can interrupt, was that yeah. then, was that then the, 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 the fear of failure where, okay. Cause even like yes. the idea of like amazing is kind of vague, right? Yes. So yes. I'm sure like with coaching, you'll see that as well. Like, okay, let's, let's dive into that. What is that? A 10 or, you know, sure. place Yes. for you was underneath that then, you know, fear of failure or, yes. okay. Total fear of failure. And to clarify, you know, perfectionism is really not the meticulous concern that everything be in order and perfect. Perfectionism is 
the fear of failing, the fear of disappointing others, uh, the fear of uh, letting people down, letting ourselves down. And, and so that's why actually perfectionism gets in the way of, you know, just making progress because we're so afraid to make a mistake that we actually just kind of sit on the sidelines and watch everything else around yeah. us. You know, and age. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's super important to understand that, you know, it's okay to quote unquote fail. It's okay when things don't turn out as we hope or thought. There's always lessons and value that can come from failing at something or something not working out, if you will. Um, so, you know, the limiting beliefs can also be things like, I'm not deserving of X or I'll never blank, you know, I'll never have this. I'll never be this. I'll never achieve this. And, um, it's very sad because when we buy into those limiting beliefs, like I said, we're, we're just deciding that we're not even going to try before we start. And anything that we pursue in life, we have to be willing to entertain a, a glimmer of self-belief mm -hmm. and hope. Otherwise, we won't try anything different. And so that's why limiting beliefs can, can really, they can be a very powerful thing and they can often keep us stuck kind of on that hamster wheel in our life where we just sort of keep doing the same things uh, and we're getting the same results and then we get frustrated mm -hmm. that nothing's yeah. changing. So as you work with clients, then let's talk about this a little bit more. Um, I mean, if someone's listening, are you having them write out these limiting beliefs or are you having them say them out loud to you and then kind of looking at them and saying, okay, let now, um, what's true, what's not true. Um, how could someone begin this process? I know it could be as easy as writing things out, but mm -hmm. then you still have to take that next step. So yes. uh, there's yes. something about sustainability. You brought that up a couple of times so far. Yes. That thing is great. Walk us through, okay, I've, I've seen these limiting beliefs. So, all right, I have a defibrillator. Uh, I'm not going to be able to lift heavy anymore. Uh, I'm not going to be able to run anymore. Um, how would you guide me or someone else uh, into um, overcoming those? Sure. Well, uh, so one of the ways that we kind of pull out the limiting beliefs and we identify them is uh, I ask a lot of thought-provoking, deep questions, um, open-ended, deep questions that individuals start answering about how they really perceive or see themselves and when we do identify a potential limiting belief, I usually ask more. I ask examples, you know, how does that show up? How do you feel like that gets in the way in your life? Um, but the next step from identifying a limiting belief would be to reframe a new thought around that limiting belief. And so if the limiting belief was like you just used yourself as an example, I can't lift heavy. The new thought would be, well, what kind of a relationship could I have with weights? 
how could I still utilize weights, uh, perhaps in a way that supports um, my new health status? And so uh, some of the things that I walk my clients through when entertaining a new thought is to journal, to write about it. Um, I recommend posting a new thought in someone's visual. So either putting a sticky note on their computer screen or on their refrigerator or on their bathroom mirror, um, saying the, the new thought as a positive daily affirmation. So we can verbalize, we can use visuals, uh, we can journal. So there's different strategies because the reason this is really important, Benjamin, is because, you know, those limiting beliefs, they too once started as a thought and mm. they took root mm-hmm. because mm. we kept revisiting them and we kept yeah. thinking about them. So, so a belief is a thought that we repeat over and over and over and over. And then it's, you know, like a weed in a garden that takes root. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so yeah. new thoughts can do the same thing. And the difference is those new thoughts can be supportive of our abilities. They can be positive. And so once we identify a limiting belief, then we create a new thought or two. And then I have my client engage in what I just mentioned, um, verbal reminders, uh, visual reminders, journaling. Um, and we, we put a lot of emphasis and focus on thinking about that new thought and revisiting it and considering it. And, and then the third step that I take is action with my clients because nothing is going to help solidify a new thought more than taking action on a new thought and the confidence and the self-belief that happens little by little with each step we're willing to make Mm -hmm. in another direction. So it's all kind of related, but the action piece is very, very important to the buy-in of the new thought. Um, And it's, you know, we can create new thoughts that take root just as limiting beliefs do. So that's a really important piece to recognize. Yeah, that's so good. So examining what these beliefs are, journaling, recognizing these thoughts for what they are, exchanging new thoughts for them, and then taking action. Absolutely. Those are steps. Yeah. That's so good. I was, I've been reading this book. I already read it, I guess. Uh, it's called The Stress Prescription. Mm-hmm. I love what the author said. Uh, there's a, a section called Catch and Release. That's okay. kind of like what you're saying here, right, with these limiting thoughts of when anxiety or whatever the case may be begins to arise. Okay, we want to catch those thoughts uh, and then we want to release them. And I, I thought yes. about this just going on a walk. Uh, one of the lakes in our subdivision, there's a sign with respect to the fish catch and release. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, absolutely, like, what a great you know, example! Like fishing, and uh, you know, I preach. So, from a biblical standpoint, I think yeah. about like Philippians four and verse seven and eight. You know, um, the things that are good and lovely. Think on these things. So, this idea of, of yeah. meditation. Yes. And, uh, 1 Peter 5, 7, 
cast your cares to him because he cares for you. So there's, I've used this as well in preaching with this idea of catch and release and understanding these kinds of limiting beliefs, whether it's in fitness, nutrition, uh, work, whatever the case may be, just how, yeah, how detrimental they can be. Like for you, if it wasn't amazing, then I didn't even go back. You didn't go back for the second time or the second try. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, excellent um, thoughts. I really appreciate that because it is so amazing just how powerful our thoughts really are. And for, you know, whether it's cancer or a defibrillator or just unexpected things throughout the day that can derail us. That's derailed me before. It's just like, man, just forget it. Right. I'll start all over tomorrow, but we can, Catch those thoughts. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, which I think is so important. It sounds so easy, but being present, staying mm-hmm. in today. For you in your life, I'm curious, are you taking time throughout the day? How do you how do you stay in today? How are you staying present? Is it turning your phone off for 10 minutes throughout the day? Uh, getting off social media. I know you work out, so I'm sure that's part of you staying present and being in your body. Are there any other uh, tools uh, or resources that you are currently using to help you to to stay present in today? Yes. Um, And tools. And I, uh, I also view those actions and, and things as self-care to, to support being in the moment and being present. Um, yes, I do a lot. So, um, you know, I'm very connected to my computer and phone when I'm working. (laughs) So Sunday is my day of rest and I literally, uh, keep the laptop closed and I put my phone on do not disturb. And it's not, it's not because I don't, love people and want to connect with them, it has to do with limiting distractions so that I can be present. And so that's, that's a pretty much all day Sunday thing for me. Um, another thing that I do is, um, I do put my phone like on airplane mode or do not disturb at a certain point in the evening. So I can be present with my family and not have those distractions. Um, Absolutely. I have a rule when I work out that I do not, um, I can change a song that I'm listening to, but I do not open email and I do not, you know, start doing that. I, I really, (laughs) yeah, I really, because, you know, I'll just call myself out. I, I think, I think for years and years, I was about multitasking, right? what's the big deal? I can do five things at once. But I think what the big deal is, is um, we're not really doing any of those five things well, if we're just partially paying attention, and we're not extracting the joy, or the lesson or the satisfaction out of the things that we're doing when we're doing multiple things. So yeah, um, the do not disturb the devices, uh, I do engage in daily meditation. Uh, I do a five or 10 minute guided meditation and uh, that mixed with my exercise and my walks out, outside. Um, you know, those, those things are tools 
they encourage self-care, they encourage myself being present in my life. And, um, and they also help me feel balanced and can help manage stress, especially when we have really busy, demanding things that we have to get done. So yeah, I do all of it and I'm very consistent with it because I feel the benefit of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And once you, once you get to that point where you see the benefits, why would you want to do anything different? And that's, that's the danger of those, you know, of sabotaging ourselves. And let me just double check this. That's something I'm working on right now, uh, Janine, with uh, when I go walking with, uh, with my dog, Teddy. Mm -hmm. So typically I've always listened to music or a podcast or something like that. Yep. So talking to my nutritionist, uh, we were just, I don't know, I, I think I just told her, hey, you know, I didn't I didn't listen to any music today, something. We had some kind of conversation. So she was just talking about, yeah, there's a lot of great benefit with that. And I had talked to um, another preacher here last month, and he had run a, a marathon. And I said, well, did you listen to music? He said, no. I said, really? I said, why not? Wow. He said, well, you know, it kind of gets in the way with the earbuds and you're sweating and the phone. Sure. But I think there's something to that. My wife, Nikki, has mentioned this as well, because me and my son, we like to listen to music in the car. So she says sometimes, hey, we can drive without any music on, right? Like you can kind of sit in that silence. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Uh, I know there's something to that and that maybe that's another level. So I, today I did a 30 minute walk, didn't have any music on. Now I was checking my phone off and on, but I noticed that even more. So it's mm-hmm. getting comfortable with uh, the silence and it's not silent because you have so much outside, but yeah. getting comfortable in that new environment. And I'm wondering too, if that's even like a, like a dopamine hit as well, right? With the constant noise and things like that. Now, mm-hmm. when you, when you walk and things like that, do you, have, are you listening to music or do you find yourself going back and forth or uh, have you? Tried- uh, yeah, I, I love that. And when you shared just now what you do uh, that resonated with me because I I very much used to years ago, I used to listen to music or listen to a podcast. And, you know, in (laughs) theory, in theory, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with um, potentially listening to a song that makes you feel good or listening to an inspiring, uplifting message through a podcast. But I stopped doing that and I literally don't even take my earbuds with me um, when I walk my dogs because I just started realizing, you know, I love listening to the sounds of the birds chirping and the, the water running down kind of the creek by, you know, this area that we walk in our neighborhood. And I, I just felt like there's so much beauty around me. And I'm kind of missing it when I'm just focused on listening to, you know, what's in my ear. I'm kind of missing it and I'm not being present. So, <laughs> yep. yeah, I, I think absolutely. And I, I too appreciate and value just some little snippets of silence. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's when actually, I think when things get quiet, I think that's when we can potentially um, have introspection time. And I think that's when we can create some really wonderful ideas when when a lot of the noise 
and the distractions stop. Um, that's why we have so many great ideas when we're in the shower, right? Because we can't multitask when we're in the shower or when we're laying in bed and we're getting ready to go to sleep. And we have this wonderful idea that pops in our head, I think, because at those times, we're removing all those other distractions and we're kind of doing one thing. And I think when we pause and we're engaging in quiet, I think that that actually can be a time of reflection and growth and creativity. And in addition to just simply being present. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits and I find that I enjoy it more um, just kind of not having something in my ear. So I think my conversation with my coach and now you, uh, you're coaching me essentially right now. I have a limiting belief with my, with my exercise, my limiting belief has been, I need my music to, sure. you know, for the intensity. And I know there's nothing wrong if you listen to it, but I think that's a limiting belief where if I don't have my music, you know, and I'm running or I'm doing sprints or I'm on my Peloton bike, how is this going to work out? This isn't even going to be as enjoyable. So thank you for that okay. because now this is, this is starting to come up as, wait a second, I can still work out and I can still run or lift without having something constantly uh, to listen to. So yeah, thank you for that. That's interesting just how something like that may not even seem like a big deal, but there's something underneath that why I feel like I always need to listen to something, you know, for the workout to be effective. Sure. I you know, I think this would maybe be an example of you introducing adaptability, like removing an element that maybe you've relied on that isn't essential for your success and strength and energy that you're putting into that workout, you know, it could be a way of doing it different, something that you've engaged in, you know, for years, which is mm -hmm. fitness. Um, and it could be, cause that's, that's how we keep it sustainable, right? We, <laughs> we introduce flexibility in, in yeah. the methods and we are willing to try it a different way. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, if you would have told me before 2020 that I would not have a gym membership, yeah. um, I would say no way. Yep. And, and sure enough, when the gyms closed in 2020, uh, we had to be adaptable, right? And so, um, this is just one more example of why don't I, why don't I try it a different way? You know, mm -hmm. why don't I try a different style of workout? Why don't I try working out at home? Why don't I try working out without that music in my ear? And mm -hmm. gosh, it's a good feeling when you still succeed because you learn more about yourself in that process. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and it's just a new right. way to try it. Yeah, that's great. A couple more questions. This has been a great yeah. conversation. I know you love books. You love to read. Um, any book recommendations? Mm, yes. Uh, one of my favorite books is Atomic Habits by yes. James Clear. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I'm such a habit gal. And um, 
I, I do believe that we could set goals our, all day, but our, our daily habits largely determine the trajectory of where we go. Um, so, you know, very much in alignment with what we've been talking about, being in the moment and focusing on what we can do today. Our daily habits are everything. Um, so I think for anyone that is looking for uh, sustainable fitness or or to really reach any goal in their life. Atomic Habits is such a powerful book. Uh, there's a lot of aha moments yep. when you read through that book. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. Awesome. Yeah, I just read his uh, 321 email uh, earlier today. So I love those little nuggets. Yes. Tell us about your coaching program. Um, what kind of clients you take? Um, how can people work with you? Where can people find you? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so my coaching program is, um, I, I do offer mindset and confidence coaching. It is, uh, offered one-on-one, um, and people can find me on my website, janinegrayson.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, Janine Grayson coaching individuals can reach out to me that way. Um, you know, a good indicator that maybe someone might want to entertain coaching is if they identify feelings of dissatisfaction or unease about an aspect of their life. And, and it's okay to not have it all figured out. Um, but it's usually a good time to pick up the phone and connect with someone like myself. And, and, um, I do offer complimentary clarity calls. So if an individual is just kind of uncertain and maybe not happy or satisfied with an aspect of their life and they don't really know why, but they know that they don't feel as they would like to feel, then I would love the opportunity to have a clarity call and learn more about maybe what they might be experiencing. Absolutely. Fantastic. I'll put all that information as well um, uh, in the show notes. Uh, Janine, this has been fantastic. I have I have a lot more questions. I know we said we talked for about an hour or so, yeah. but I really do appreciate you sharing your story and uh, the obstacles that you've been able to overcome and how those have been able to impact other people in the world for good. Uh, you, you definitely have an I can do mindset and uh, you've been a great encouragement to me. Uh, final thoughts that you like to share with the audience. Hmm. I, um, you know, I just want to speak for a moment to the individuals out there that might be experiencing a lot of overwhelm in their life. Overwhelm can be paralyzing and it can keep us stuck from not wanting to move forward or take action on something. Um, I, I firmly believe that if we're willing to look at our life and focus on what we can do just today, just one day at a time, that we can little by little take small steps in the right direction and experience joy, transformation, growth. Um, so I, I really want to say for any of you that are stuck, it, it is definitely possible. Don't lose hope. And um, there's people out there, I'm one of those people, that, that can help you through that journey. I think the power of us working together 
uh, and supporting one another is a lot more powerful than us all trying to go it alone. So I'm, I'm sensitive to that and I'm here for those people. Fantastic. Well said. Thank you so much, Janine. My pleasure. I super enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Benjamin. You are welcome. All right. Take care. You too. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and so can you. Take care and God bless. Thank you.